It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. I'm Teresa. And I'm Colleen. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So we're on episode 138. Excellent. I'm going to chat a little bit about, well, probably more than a little bit, (laughs) about this book I just read by a woman named Tina Welling. Okay. It's called Tuesdays in Jail, What I Learned Teaching Journaling to Inmates. Do you journal? Oh my gosh. Kind of. Okay. Between scrapbooking and like my prayer journal, probably. Okay. Ish. And I think there's no right way, right? No, 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 no. So that's awesome. I do to-do lists. Oh, yeah. I guess that counts, too. (laughs) That's my journaling. So, anyway, that's what I'm going to be chatting about. I do recipe, like, um, menu. Oh, there we go. Keep adding it on. (laughs) We're all journaling. It's fine. exactly. (laughs) I'm going to be talking about an amazing nonprofit in Chicago called the Automotive Mentoring Group. Oh, that's fun. My husband sent this to me. He's into cars. He's into classic cars. Yeah. And it was so fun to research this. Yeah. I'm sure he liked learning about it, too. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. I know I've talked on here before about the times that I ran the OSP run. Right. So standing for the Oregon State Penitentiary. I checked out their website, and they're back up and running. Oh. Post-COVID. Yeah. Excellent. They just had an event yesterday, July 8th. Okay. And another one scheduled for August with the option of a 5K or a 10K. This running program was formed in the early 70s. It gained serious traction with the support, as I noted before, of Steve Prefontaine. Okay. That's the whole oh. reason I was like, oh, if Steve Prefontaine. Right. Could- and I don't know if you're, are you, if you're not from Oregon, do you so, know that name? I think anyone okay. knows Prefontaine. Okay. Especially running communities. Right. Yeah. Oh, so, that's true. That's true. I would hope okay. so. Okay. No, that's true. Um, he gave seminars, would run with the inmates, oh, and encouraged them to concentrate on training. I read one time that he said that if he didn't have running, mm-hmm. he probably would have ended up in jail. Like, like he, so he had a lot of he was he had a lot of energy. Right. So right. I don't know if he was saying that to make them feel better. Sometimes put that towards the wrong thing. Right. Or easily get in, involved into the right. wrong thing without Which is what a lot the intention. Of this, exactly. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Thought. So they have 270 registered runners in the program, and the University of Oregon has sure. continued with Prefontaine's legacy, sharing the importance of discipline. And that's kind of what you're talking about, mm-hmm. steering them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to get into that program. These guys have to maintain exemplary behavior. Oh. And once I read that for most of them, it takes about a year to get accepted. Oh, okay. Okay. So because so many of the men in the program will be released, it's important to teach them the necessary skills to survive on the outside. Mm-hmm. Sadly, for most of them, they didn't have anyone who cared enough to equip them with proper life skills. Right. So this rehabilitative program helps the inmates learn skills through the running program that will hopefully transfer to jobs and relationships in the community when they're released. Right. So these guys, as I said, are on their best behavior because they want to stay in the program. They want this privilege. They're extremely respectful, so appreciative that people would take the time to come and run with them. They especially love being treated like human beings, that people take the time to care for them. Right. There's absolutely no cat calls, no creepy stares, no lurking. Like 
women get often on the outside when they're running. Right. Absolutely none of that in there. Because you're running on a track, I say track with air quotes, Okay. they have inmates that it's their job to keep track of your laps because you're going around and around and around. Okay. You go from their weight area, which they call the iron pile, and then through the handball court and over towards this baseball-looking field thing. So that's the track. Yeah. (laughs) And it's... It sounds luxurious calling it a track because it. I'm sure it's been there since it opened. The right. weights look like they're older than most of the guys in there. Right. And the track is, like, bumpy, and it's <laughs> well, definitely... Well, it kind of sounds like the one behind my house that actually is <laughs> yes, a track. So, yes. I don't know. So, it's not a track that most of us envision, but... The run itself is definitely time-consuming since it's down in Salem. Mm -hmm. You have to take time off work because it's on a weekday. There's a lot of paperwork. You have to get extra time, you know, to get in, to get behind the bar. You know, it takes a while to get in there. These are all things I wouldn't have thought of. I wouldn't have either. You have to go through the whole background check stuff, and they're extremely strict with the tire. Not only making sure that that you're wearing appropriate clothing, but you can't wear blue. Is that a gang thing? I, I think or so. Red, maybe? Yeah, yeah. They didn't say anything about red, okay. but I think that was assumed. Right. But definitely no blue. You can't bring in sunglasses, <laughs> which I discovered when I was there. I had to lock them in my locker, or really anything you can bring in a you know iPod, iPod to run to. They do provide a very glamorous safety vest. Oh, and is it I, orange? Yes, <laughs> bright okay. orange. And I think it's just in case. Okay, so that you're easy to tell apart. Yeah. In case anything happens. Yeah, they have, so, they have yeah. that liability yeah. and they have to yeah. take it seriously. And they were beautiful. And they only make you hot when you're out there running because oh you're in the, <laughs> in the heat. But anyway. The we runs, have Nike sponsor this, the orange, <laughs> yes, so it's like yes, breathable. Yes. <laughs> the runs I did there really taught me a lot. So when I saw this book by Tina Welling called Tuesdays in Jail, What I Learned Teaching Journaling to Inmates, it definitely piqued my curiosity. I was talking about it in class one morning, and I thought they'd be all excited about it. But apparently, I wasn't properly relaying the message. Okay. Because the author, through her journaling with these men, she deals with their personal stories and all the baggage they've buried deep. We're talking deep. Lifelong. And obviously, all of their stories are varied, yet they all found themselves in jail because, you know, life just isn't fair. So I, I don't think I relayed well that... But yeah, clearly I just wasn't. Also, can, I can think about times during my exercise. I, I don't have any deep, deep baggage. Okay. <laughs> but I can think about times during exercise or at the end where I break down. You let it go. Yeah. And so I can only imagine yeah. what these oh my guys gosh. are going through. I know. I know. And the stories that they shared with her are just heart-wrenching. Yeah. She does keep it positive. So it's, they're, they're short, but still hard. But I think... You, I mean, I understand that you have to be positive, but I also want it to be realistic. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, yep. I think there's a way you can do it successfully. And I think she totally did. That's great. So, one guy was told that he was the S word by oh. his foster parents and that he'd always smell like it and he'd never amount to anything. Another guy had been abused by his mother's boyfriend and there were just, there was story after story. Each and every one of them had some tragic event or events. That contributed to their trajectory towards incarceration. How can it not? I know, but I don't think people take that into consideration. I am probably one of those sometimes. Well, I think we all are. We all are. So that's why this book was so good for me. It is amazing. Family and friends had given up on them 
But even worse, they had given up on themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this journaling class um, workshop taught them. And just to clarify a couple of things, I'm super tough on crime. A complete rule follower, as we've talked about. I would about consider myself that as well. <laughs> and every time we go to the beach and watch Starsky and Hutch, Craig and the boys point out that I'm totally Starsky. <laughs> also, the guys that she wrote about, mostly the ones that she saw regularly, um, understood that they deserved their punishment. They weren't trying to get out of it. Right. They also really, really wanted to continue to make good choices upon the release. So I feel like that's why programs like the running program at the penitentiary and companies like Dave's Killer Bread uh-huh. yep. are so important. When these guys get released, it's vital for them to have skills to support themselves and mm-hmm. succeed in the real world so they don't fall back on old habits. Right. Without them, it's just easy to fall back. They need jobs and an opportunity to prove that they can change. Mm-hmm. She wrote a lot about being in the belly of the whale. Yeah. Have you heard a lot? I mean, sure. So for her, she experienced it one time during a hurricane in Florida. She right. wrote about the panic and the frenzy when it hit and the silence when you're in the middle. Mm-hmm. Only to know that the other side is coming. You have to be ready for that. And so Jonah made scary. those decisions in there. Like he made those changes. He made those, um, like he had to go into the whale to... Go the right, then go, go the go, right I, that, way. Yeah. He needed to have that moment. And that's what I think that's mm-hmm. saying to yeah. me. Well, I so. looked, I had to look it up because I was like, wait a second. <laughs> and like I said, just to understand the whole concept. Mm-hmm. On the concept. And I, I I know the story of Jonah and the whale. Sure. I mean, it's Everyone kind of a kid's does. story yeah. too. And it's a fun, yeah. Absolutely. It's a fun story. But she, I, she, and she was referencing that for sure. Mm-hmm. But I think it was even more than that. When I looked up online, it said, do you ever find yourself mentally in a place so horrible that you cannot understand what you've done to end up there? A place so horrific that waking up is depressing. This feeling is called the belly of the whale. And it's characteristic of a time in life when one struggles to transform into his or her greater self. So you're absolutely, you know. That's, that's a right. really Wait. prettier way of saying it. <laughs> but, but yeah. But that's what it, it was. Right. And something funny when I was looking this up, one of the examples, it said the ending of episode three of Star Wars was Anakin's. Had he confronted his flaws his belly of the whale. Yep. Had he confronted his flaws, embraced them as strengths, and emerged humble but stronger, it would have been an entirely different universe. Right. And I just thought that was hilarious that <laughs> when I'm looking at belly of a whale and it happens Talking to be yes, meant to be. Exactly. It's everywhere. <laughs> so her journaling with these guys started Tuesday nights in August of 2011. They have stopped because of COVID. I don't know if they're going again because she hasn't had a new book, but yeah. Most of them would, in jail, would just wait it out. But these guys, instead of just doing the, their time, these guys wanted to attend her journaling workshops, which I think is adorable. Yes. They didn't know it, but they were also helping her mend herself as well as she wrestled with their stories mm-hmm. and experiences that they had shared, mm-hmm. knowing just how much they had suffered in life. And she taught them what she needed to know. That's what she pointed out in the book, like personal power, being a survivor versus right. having victim energy. Right. Wow. She um, had been married for five decades, as she put it, and her and her husband divorced after 50 years. They still were their roommates. Right. Because I, I don't know if they can afford to live apart. But Especially after that long. And, and you have so many things meshed yes, at that point, too. Yes. 
So she was dealing with all of that. This journaling, I think, helped that. One of the things she worked through was, an example, she had a friend named Dana who had devalued her for a good 30 years. They had been friends. They had plans to go cross-country skiing Saturday, so Tina called her up Friday night to finalize the plans, and her friend bailed. She's like, oh, I'm traveling. I can't go. And this, it sounds like it happened over and over again. So what totally made me laugh and relate to the story (laughs) was when she retold it, saying something like, you know, her friend would say, well, let's get together next Saturday. And she said, no, it's my turn not to call you. (laughs) But she obviously didn't say that. She was just thinking it. And that's totally been there. Something I would do when I relayed the story to my family. I'm like, and I was like... Like, did you really say that? Well, of course no, not. Because I'm not mean. Yeah. But, but sure. I wanted to. Sure. You know, my friends have a name for that for me. Oh. That what is they, it? It's Leslie. Oh, not Leslie Nope. Nope, just oh. Leslie. So if I'm snotty or catty, mm-hmm. then that's a different person. Oh, okay. Just so you know. So you might have this little alter ego <laughs> that sneaks up. There we go. Takes over. <laughs> anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> Regardless, as she journaled with these men, she saw areas where she, too, was devalued and dismissed. Not in the same degree, obviously, by any means. But she knew from experience how it could erode your self-esteem. She pulled a card out from Maya Angelou that said, Never make someone a priority when all you are to them is an option. I love that quote. Me, too. Another inmate... Louis was in prison for selling drugs to his friends. He, in different times in his life, had tried to get clean, tried to be good. Sure. But he just, I, I think he just had a hard time saying no. So one turned on him in order to lighten his sentence, which meant an even longer prison sentence followed with, Louis. yeah, followed with deportation. So obviously he would have a number of emotions, but had to work through the betrayal and his time in prison, when he was alone, gave him time to process and eventually forgive mm-hmm. um, his friend. Tina learned from that and saw that her times alone also taught her a lot, right. which was a good lesson, just like the men behind bars. Right. She had another quote. Jonathan Lockwood Huey wrote, forgive others, not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. That's right. I completely believe in that. Yes, I do too. Yeah. What's the poison one? Like, if you mm. give someone poison and think that it's hurting them, oh, it's actually it's you. you. Yeah. It is true. It's hard. It is. Not it's easy, very hard. But true. With her writing prompts and the discussions that ensued, it's easy to see why Tina grew herself. I found one comparison she made in her journaling quite interesting. She said in her journal, There are many similarities between your experience as an inmate in jail and a monk's huh. in a monastery. You have work to do here, inner work. Begin it. Conduct inquiry into your sense of self, asking why, how, when, who. Offer your mind the ideas of others through reading. Examine yourself by journaling your memories, dreams, intentions, strengths, and weaknesses. Lay it all open. Claim it. Face it. Let it out so the process of letting it go can begin. And please befriend yourself throughout with kindness and understanding. Wow. Which I love that. I love, you know, a lot of times I'll hear somebody talk about what happened at the beginning and what happened in the end. Mm-hmm. Right. And usually it's something positive. Right. And I heard somebody say once, yeah, but what happened in the middle? That's the tough spot. That's the tough yeah. spot. Yeah. That's the middle. Yeah. What she was talking about. Yeah. And 
That's where you don't often see. That's right. Or hear about. And people don't put that on Facebook. People don't put that on Instagram. Correct. Yeah. But a lot of times it's really important. Yes. It's very vital for us to hear so that we, because we all can relate to it. Yes. And I think that's, this journal entry reminded her that they were working on the same things, just from different angles. Sure. One Tuesday night, all four of the men asked her to repeat a Maya Angelou quote so they could write it in their journals. Adorable. Yeah. Um, the quote was, you may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them, which I love. Yeah. Colleen and I both like true crime. <laughs> we were like, are we going to end with that? <laughs> I, I think my interest has always been the why. You know, Same. How did they get that way? Same. There are definitely some bad seeds out there who are just evil. Right. Agree. But the vast majority of criminals have a history of abuse, neglect, or something in their past mm-hmm. that shaped them. Mm-hmm. And I think we all can learn from Maya Angelou's quote that we cannot be prisoners to past events, and the responsibility is ours to prevent that from happening. There was one prison guard who was awful to the inmates and was obnoxious to Tina as well. He'd sneer at her, probably because she was doing something kind for them. I mean, this guy, Neville would make sure he controlled everything she did. She wanted to give them two little golf pencils, which they'd always been allowed, two little mini three-inch golf pencils. But he said, no, only one. And she's like, if they break it, then they're done for their workshop. And he's like, bummer. So he was trying to control her. He controlled the inmates. He made comments about how worthless they were. He treated them like garbage. He'd slam anything he could in the middle of the night during his hourly checks. He'd be slamming all the doors when he so left. their sleep is disturbed. Yeah. Every hour. Gosh. Just to mess with them. He'd comment to not get their hopes up about ever getting out because it that's wasn't like That's an unhappy person. Oh, I'm so happy you said that because that's coming. I really feel, though, that if you're constantly told stuff like this, you start to believe it. Right. And he wasn't preparing for their reentry into society, but was doing everything he could to keep them there. When this guy was obnoxious to Tina, she wanted to glare at him, which is probably what Teresa would have done. Right. Me too. <laughs> but she, I've done it. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> Leslie. Leslie's done it. Done it. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. But she knew that wouldn't make it better for anyone. And just like you pointed out, she reminded the inmates that Neville felt like crap. That's Mm -hmm. what she said. Mm -hmm. She said he likely had low Mm self-esteem, felt like he had no power or control in his life, and didn't like the person he saw in the mirror, that he actually should be pitied. Mm -hmm. So I don't think the men would go so far as to pity him, and I don't think Tina really did either. Right. But it was a good reminder. And you're absolutely right. And you don't know their past. No. You don't. Neville was the only guard, I'm happy to say, that she mentioned being awful. The majority of them, you know, were able to treat the inmates with dignity while Mm -hmm. still doing their job. Mm -hmm. So I was happy to read that. I've often heard it's the people who are the hardest that need the love the most. And I think that's what she was getting at with her journaling. Clearly, she hadn't experienced the same things. I mean, one guy had three tours in Afghanistan. And when he returned here and witnessed how horrible people treat each other like honking at each other it's and amazing. cutting each other off and swearing yeah he he just was heartbroken not to mention how they treated him when he returned to the states right with post traumatic stress disorder right. and depression it made him turn i won't say it made him but he turned to drugs and alcohol to cult sure. and i 
And that's not abnormal. No, for not veterans, at all. But no. I think this just makes it worse to not feel supported yes, and loved. Absolutely. So without ex- experiencing that, it's impossible for me to judge. I don't know what I would do. Right. But the men tested her philosophical prompts all the time. <laughs> Obviously, they were coming at it from a completely opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Their conflict made her think and grow. And I really admire that she shared that. Right. I've annoyed everyone on social media with my inspirational quotes. <laughs> <laughs> but now I don't have to. Right. Well, I probably still will. But no, I like it. Um, Tina Welling made note cards, like three by five note cards, and she would, you know, just go through them and pulled certain ones out with their journal prompts. And now I'm going to do that. I can go through them anytime, just like she did with the guys at their journaling sessions. Right. I'll be like one of the guys on the Big Bang Theory, the comic book store. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Exactly. (laughs) One quote she shared that I know I have too in the past on social media was Christine Kane's, sometimes when you're in a dark place and you think you've been buried, but you've really been planted. We all have dark times and we need to push through that darkness and know that one day we'll see that sun shine again. At church today, one of the things I said at the end of our lesson is keep going. Right? Yeah, absolutely. One foot in front. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's hard, though. It's like you said in the middle. Yeah. Unfortunately, we learn life lessons the fastest when suffering is involved. That was another thing she reminded me. And it's so true. Mm Mm-hmm. This woman inspired me for a number of reasons. I appreciated her openness about herself as well as the men she mentored. Like all of us, she had feelings of inadequacy. She wasn't a trained psychologist or therapist. Right. She just followed her heart to go help these guys. She came across one previous inmate one day by chance. He was working in construction and looked healthy, happy, and industrious. That's amazing. I just was so happy that she included that in her book. Her reminder to deal with the past but live in the present was a valuable reminder for all of us. And it reminded me of Sean T, like one of the very first episodes of the podcast. And I will never forget his driving analogy. We look in our rearview mirror every once in a while when we're on the road. Right. Like in life, got to right. look at your past. You sure. learn from it. But the majority of our time is looking out the windshield, just like it should be in life. Use that rear view mirror or your past when needed, but really focus on what's ahead. Mm-hmm. And that's what she was trying to remind these guys. Mm-hmm. The bonus of the book is that it includes a personal workbook at the end, just like the oh. prompts she used with the inmates. So best part, each prompt has a quote. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so which made it so hard to pick just one for me to close with. Right. But I'm going to give this journaling thing a try and not just my to-do list in my spare time. I know I don't have the inmates to learn from, but I think we all have plenty to unpack and learn from ourselves. So this is to be continued. I need to thank Tina Welling for inspiring me to help those around me. Her example reminded me of how much we can learn about ourselves when we get out of our comfort zone and help others. What we bring into the light, we can work with. What remains in the dark works us. Tina Welling. So a couple of things before I start, I was just telling Teresa about this. We don't really coordinate our stories. <laughs> it's probably clear. We probably, yeah, yeah. In case you haven't noticed. <laughs> well, because we have different things that inspire we us. We do. But I can't believe this one is exactly 
goes with the other one that she just did. So I'm super. I excited just can't about believe that. that Colleen picked up on people being unhappy, like he was unhappy because right. of how he was treating other people. Right. Right. And um, also, like I said at the beginning, so in case you don't know, we have two classic cars at our house. We have a 64 and a half Mustang that was my husband's great-grandma's. Great-grandma. Wow. Yes. I'm from Tillamook, it's Oregon. It's like a cream color. It's white. White, white. Okay. White. And then we have a 68 Pontiac Le Mans that was my husband's parents that they mm. bought new. So classic cars mm-hmm. are the only cars in the garage. So, yeah. <laughs> so my husband actually found this story and sent it to me, and he was like, I don't know if this will be good. And mm. I, I just loved it. I thought mm. it was really, really neat. Um, so after he was shot and wounded last year, 19-year-old Jeff Battles is now finding a new direction through his love of old cars. Quote, wrong place, wrong time with the wrong people. It hit me in my right shoulder and came out my neck. He described the incident as a wake-up call. He says, I almost lost my life, man. I gotta change. I gotta do better. So this incident brought this teen to a Chicago-based nonprofit called Automotive Mentoring Group. And its founder, Alex Levesque. So it was really cool. I did a lot of research on their website, but I also um, watched a video on it. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Levesque said, nobody else wants to deal with these guys. So I want to deal with these guys <laughs> because those are the guys that I see that are the real problem. Mm-hmm. About 1,500 people have gone through this automotive oh mentoring group. So I'm going to call it AMG from now mm-hmm. on because that's what their website mm-hmm. calls it, okay. too. And Levesque, who's the owner, says about 85% of them have turned their lives around. That is amazing. I know. It's a really good statistic. Yes. And it, 1,500 yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. Levesque says, yeah. I don't necessarily think this is the answer to all of it. I just know it's a damn good answer. Mm-hmm. And that's what I know how to do. Mm. So I just like, yeah, this is what I know how to do. Yeah. So I'm going to do what I have. Yeah. I so, love it. Yep. AMG is a nonprofit recognized by the state of Illinois since 2012. They aid men and women in earning their high school diploma, enroll in colleges, and obtain job and apprenticeships in the automotive industry. It's a three- to six-month program. They offer everything to do with a car. Mm -hmm. General repairs, specialist repairs and parts, upholstery, which is actually a big skill. Like, my husband, if he needs an upholstery fix, Mm -hmm. like, he's particular. He goes to one person, Mm -hmm. and sometimes that person's hard to get a hold of. It's hard to get in. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's specialized. Upholstery in a range of fabrics, leather, and paintwork, which also use, which also is custom paint, which like on these old cars oh, yeah. is a custom paint. Yeah. 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 They work on cars from 1930 to 1972. Oh wow. <laughs> no, it's so cool. There was one where he was walking around and he said, yeah, this 1939 car, three 16-year-old girls are working on. Was like, cool. So... Alex works with them to find where their niche is, since most of them are felons. So this kind of keys back to what you were talking about, jobs. Mm-hmm. He said, when they get out, it, it or, sorry, if they have a felony, they can't, You there's certain yeah. jobs they yeah. can't do. Yeah. Absolutely. And so this opens up their whole horizons. They meet other people. They hear stories. It's a connection. And a lot of times they can start their own business. And it gives them confidence. Correct. It's something they can do in that three to six months. They've learned yes. a huge skill. Yes. He says, we meet our participants where they are and work towards what they need and want in their lives through consistent and genuine mentorship and exposure to resources and opportunities. And they have other mentors that come in, police officers, firefighters. They provide the training, like I said, in auto mechanical and body work, 
They learned how to deconstruct and rebuild a car from the outer body frame to the engine. So impressive. I know. <laughs> Custom car design, sewing, upholstery, like I said, installing canvas tops and carpeting. I can't even fill my tires. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, I broke down on Highway 26 last week, just so you know, and it was not a, a fun thing. Oh. So I would have liked Wait, somebody to be up. Stop and help. I love this too. They are taught to deconstruct and evaluate their lives as they deconstruct the car and rebuild them with positive influences and new choices that come with newfound opportunities. Oh it reminds love, me so much that. Yeah. of what you were just yeah. talking about. It, instead of journaling, it's, it's taking that to yes, cars. Yes, it's, but it's that That's really awesome. that same process mm-hmm. of deconstructing. Yeah. They focus on life skills, social and emotional awareness and development, and core values such as respect, integrity, and emotional intelligence. They create safe spaces for our participants to come and share their life's challenges and get away from their regular day experience. One other way, too, I mean, it sounds like, you know, they keep them safe mentally, but he, they also have this school or this shop set up so that they're not outside, so that they're safe. Mm-hmm. So if they're seen mm-hmm. by a, a gang member mm-hmm. or somebody that wants to harm them, mm-hmm. they can't get to them. And I thought, what a good feeling that's yeah, got to be, too. Yeah. How can you really be yourself if you are always, always scared? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. like, I wouldn't even think of that. I so didn't either. That and that's why have. I was so like, oh. Yeah. That's why that yeah. really stuck out yeah. to me. Um, he said they also work with young kids as young as third and fourth graders. Mm. Yes. Like, to prevent them from? Well, y- yes. It, essentially, yes. But he says, we want to get them interested in the automotive work mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. and teach them life skills young. So when they're approached at 12 years old, they're not interested in the gang lifestyle. No. Like they already have. I mean, I, we've always taught our family, if you already know your answer, mm-hmm. it's an easier yeah. answer. But if yeah. you don't know your answer, what's your yeah. answer? Yeah. They're going to convince you. Like, Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um, you can donate and see pictures of the work done by this group. At amgmentoring.org. Restoring cars and lives by building a future. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. To, they have an Instagram cool. page, I'm sure. Ooh, I didn't look that up. <laughs> I just was on their website. Good. It was super, super interesting. Yeah. Cool. I love it. So um, just a couple quick things. Okay. That I'm super excited. A little update. A long time ago, I did a story on 4Ocean. You know the company that right. they do the bracelets. Right. I just read that they hit the 30 million pound mark. Oh, my goodness. So they've taken 30 million pounds of plastic out of our ocean. And there's still more. Yeah. Well, Isn't that pathetic? More. Yeah. It's very sad. <laughs> <laughs> they now have 12 locations across three countries worldwide, including the U.S., Guatemala, and Indonesia. And they've become the leading ocean cleanup company. Wow. They help fund the project with bracelets mm-hmm. that I love because they're all related to a different animal in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And workers in Bali make the bracelets from recycled plastic. They offer other four ocean merchandise to sell. And then I learned because I was gifted for a birthday present, they sell pounds of plastic. So okay. someone, if you don't want a bracelet or if you don't want merch, okay. you can have... You can just go buy a pound of plastic, and they just will go take it out, and that's so a you're great just, option. You're just help. It's almost like a donation yes, to help yes. them. Yeah, it's just a fun way to look at it. Yeah, you're donating, but hey, I pulled out five pounds out of that's the ocean. That's really cool. Yeah. 
And with that, another great thing for the environment, my sister and a girlfriend both shared these laundry detergent things with me. Oh. Super excited about them. Okay, I'm not brave enough to do that yet. <laughs> so, I like my Tide Pods, well, I y'all. <laughs> I'm guilty of the pods from Costco. And while I recycle the container, I say that in I air quotes. I do, too. I do. For sure. I've seen that too often they don't actually get recycled. Oh. And not only that, if they do get recycled, it's pollution and energy right. and resources just making the thing in the first place. Right. These laundry sheets look like little fastener or fabric softener sheets. They do. I've seen those. You throw them in with your wash instead. Oh, okay. And because they're light and flat, they take up a lot less space. They don't require the big plastic container. They don't have all the chemicals. And really, the price ends up being remarkably close, okay, believe it or not. I have two questions. Mm-hmm. I need it to smell good. They have a fragrance option. Okay. I like that. And they have one with And I really need it to actually take a stain out. <laughs> it does. Well, they claim it does. So I haven't had so any good? problem. Okay. Yeah, so far, so good. I don't have anybody playing baseball, you know, right. in the mud. I or also soccer. like stinky, sweaty workout yeah. clothes. That's, yeah. an, that's an issue for me. So far, so good. And okay. like I said, my sister gave these to me. And okay. And no, she works out a ton. That's true. Yeah, so I know I'm all over the place, which... Tangential. That's right. <laughs> is why we're called that. That's right. The original point I was going for was that they are offering a challenge to go plastic-free for July, which I guess July is plastic-free oh, month. Okay. I entered the challenge okay. on their website, which I say a big eek. Okay. Because <laughs> I've got it scared. What are we to think best. on that? Yeah. Well, that's I, I think that's why I'm excited about it, because right. plastic's everywhere. Everywhere. Absolutely. So this month I'm going to see just how prevalent it is in my life mm-hmm. when I try to limit usage, or I should say I'm going to limit single-use plastic. Okay, Because gotcha. I need to start small, baby right. steps. Right, So right. you can enter the challenge at earthbreeze.com, and okay. that's where these laundry detergent things are from. Okay. And then for anybody that wants to look up 4Ocean and go congratulate them on their 30 million mm-hmm. pound marks... Um, they're the number four, ocean.com. I just love that these companies are trying to make our planet better right. for us and our kids. Right. Amazing. Education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. Nelson Mandela. We want to hear from you. Please email us your thoughts, story ideas, or just say hi at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Tell us about someone inspiring in your life and like or subscribe to our podcast. It helps us out and helps others find us. You can find more information about us at our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Follow us on Instagram at tangentialinspirationpodcast or find us on Facebook. Have a great week.